everyone uh, we are live on Facebook live on Instagram as well I hope you can hear us on the Instagram feed if you can't hear us on the Instagram feed make sure you jump over to the Facebook live feed we've got mics directly into that one you may be able to hear better it is a noisy room um, but go to the American Society of Regional Anesthesia and Pain Medicine Facebook page or to our page uh, Azra Society at Azra Society on, on, on Instagram. Instagram you can watch on either one of them so hopefully you can hear on them so I'm Raj Gupta. It's Gary Schwartz. I'm Gary Schwartz. Raj is actually the chair of the meeting. I've been coming to these meetings now for six years. This is our largest spring meeting ever. He's done a fabulous job. So welcome all of you for following. If you have any questions, we'll be uh, looking at some of the comments and questions soon and shooting back to you. So yeah, welcome. we're going to have to have somebody moderate these comments because I can't read it from that far away, but somebody's already looking. So we'll be getting lots of people joining us here in a minute. We're going to pull some people in. That's Gary's face right there in the middle. So popping out. I see some people we'll, joining we'll, in. We'll try to be more dignified here now. Exactly. Hey, so I'm going to brag a little bit about this meeting, if that's okay. You deserve it. So this is, uh, I, I've spent about three years working on this meeting, really excited to have it. Um, I've been coming to Azure meetings for over a decade now, and um, to have an opportunity to build a meeting for this community has been a true privilege. And um, we were able to pull off the largest registration totals for any ASRA meeting ever minus the World Congress which doesn't really count because that's a like a whole different kind of meeting but the last highest meeting registration was 1,340 that was in San Francisco 2017 which was a gangbusters meeting it was phenomenal Andres Misser ran that meeting it was really a wonderful meeting but today we broke 1,800 registrants Wow 1,800 I just cannot believe it. So what you're seeing behind us is the activity of this much enthusiasm in the field of regional anesthesia and pain medicine. And uh, I think that's a real testament to what's happening in this environment and our role in advancing this type of medicine. Roger, being a little modest, it's been a fabulous meeting. We also had a special guest today. We had Jerome Adams, which, if you do not know, is the Surgeon General. And he gave a great speech. You could follow him at, at Surgeon General on Twitter or on Instagram at u.s.surgeongeneral. He is very active on social media. He gave a great talk today discussing how public policy could be increased by everyone to carry naloxone, be involved in your state societies, be involved in your just global health initiatives. You know, I think that, um, so this is Dr. Amit Pawa. He came over all the way from across the Atlantic Ocean from England and uh, to join us as part of our faculty. We're privileged to have him as part of our faculty. He's an amazing educator, um, terrible joke teller. If you follow him on his Twitter feed, you'll see some great dad jokes, which I highly encourage you to do. And he What's your Twitter his handle again? It's at Amit underscore power, P-A-W-A. Yeah, so A-M-I-T underscore P-A-W-A. It's definitely worth following. He spells anesthesia with an extra A, but we haven't yeah, figured that one we'll, out We'll yet. excuse him this time. But um, so, you were at the Surgeon General's talk today, and I felt like there's so much good information coming out of there. 
I wanted to the, the thing that struck me the most I'll tell you the truth the thing that stood out to me the most is as anesthesiologists we have underappreciated our value and underappreciated our potential because we box ourselves into this little tiny corner of the operating room and we trap ourselves thinking that's our world but really we have a voice we have a skill set and we have a knowledge base that allows us to get outside of the operating room and we are already starting talking about doing pre-op and post-operative stuff but he is a big advocate for us to be policymakers in the hospital administration leadership in the field talking about public health contributing to the education and 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 reduction of smoking in so our that patients. was that was a really There's interesting so example like about how when you do your, your pre-op assessment you may be struck by the aroma of someone having smokes in the room and we don't necessarily take that opportunity to speak to that the patient or the family I member to. i think it's I, that was a really great example but of i'll how tell you the truth mine, mine's kind of lame i say man you should really stop smoking they go yeah maybe or no i'm not going to and that's as far as I go. So what was the phone number he gave? He said um, it was 1-800-QUIT-NOW. Quit-NOW, I believe. Yes. Yeah. It's 1-800-QUIT-NOW. So what he was saying, and I haven't used this yet, so I don't know the full extent of their ability, but his recommendation is suggest somebody quit, ask them if they're willing and interested, and then if you don't have any smoking cessation program at your institution, refer them to this phone number, 1-800-QUIT-NOW, and they will guide them through the opportunities they have for how to quit smoking. I think that's huge. I mean, I think the thing for me is someone coming from the UK and sitting there, I was really inspired by his talk. He was he was a very natural speaker. It really emphasized to me the magnitude of the problem that you have in this country with, with the opioids. I did not realize 130 Americans die every day. Yeah, every 11 minutes. Of, I mean, that is... Every happens. 11 minutes. It's like a plane crashing every day in the United States. If yeah. a plane crashes, it's a big news story. It's like a plane crashing every day in the United States. And there was a really great example. He asked the audience to put their hands up and say who's uh, who's confident here doing cardiac arrest and or, or, or doing ACLS and everyone put their hands up and he said, right, how many people here carry naloxone? And there were like two people in the audience yeah. to do that. Yeah, that was about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, some really, really great examples of, of things to think about. Yeah. Public health engagement. You know, in all fairness, I have done cardiac arrest on about three people in just a street environment that I happened upon. So, I may be outside the norm, <laughs> but his, uh, his statement was the odds are you're more likely to need naloxone on somebody right. having an opioid crisis event or potentially a lethal opioid overdose than an opportunity to do CPR on something. The other big takeaway point is obviously Roz over here is fully trained in CPR. He feels comfortable giving it. It's a lot easier to give intranasal naloxone or they have a device that's treated like an EpiPen where you can give intramuscular. It's a lot easier for a layperson to inject some medication in patient's nose or just stab them in the leg in layman's terms than to perform high quality CPR. Absolutely. And that was one of the big takeaways. The and government is working. talks to you, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, there was a pen that tells you what to do. I mean, <laughs> it's it like couldn't be AED, easier. It's like the AEDs, That's right? right. talks I, to you. And with so many people, and he, the biggest takeaway he said, it's more likely that you're going to find someone collapsed, passed out in the bathroom at a restaurant, a convention center like we have in Caesars, than someone dropping dead of a heart attack. So he recommended that everyone either get it through their local pharmacy. He is advocating for the U.S. government to make it easily accessible to people, first responders. And that was the second biggest takeaway. You can get a noxic brain injury, four to six, minutes. To six minutes. The chance That's of an right. ambulance getting to you and getting to a hospital setting 
to revive you in that time is very low. Yeah. For a layperson, or even a more than a layperson, to administer naloxone, will have the opportunity to hopefully save some lives. Absolutely. I don't know whether you guys have touched on this, but it's a nice opportunity for me to congratulate you, Raj, on organizing a fantastic meeting. Oh, thank you. That's very so kind. So day of you. one is done. Uh, I'm absolutely. Hey, day one's not done. We've got okay. dinner. We've got some 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 relaxing time. We got to enjoy this place. So we're not done yet. No, absolutely. <laughs> this is my first time in Vegas. The venue couldn't be better. It really couldn't be better. And I think you've done a great job. So thank you for all the hard work you put into it. And I know you had a lot of help organizing this meeting. Oh, yeah, we so had tons far. of help. Um, but as things stand, this is uh, this is absolutely brilliant. I'm really enjoying it. Thank you. I appreciate that. And uh, why don't you talk about your meeting coming up too? Okay, so um, we're we're uh, oh, okay. Hang on. I was waving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Amit's gonna start talking on Facebook. We're gonna get him back. I just flipped the camera, Raj. Okay. So I'm still here. Yes, yeah, so Amit's still here. We're. Oh well, we just uh, we well. Let me. I'm just going to finish speaking very quickly. So this May, 16th and 17th of May this year in Belfast, REUK are holding their uh, their annual scientific meeting. It's going to be amazing. We're very grateful that some uh, some big pocus and regional anesthesia superstars from the United States are going to be joining us as well. So go online, check out the hashtag RAUK19. We'll see you there. I'm going to pass the microphone back to Raj. We have a very special guest video now coming on to our Facebook Live and Instagram. So Kumar and I have uh, shared this pathway for the last few years, um, and, uh, and and he is getting to step away from his role as president after this meeting uh, and hand this over to someone else. But I want to commend him because he has been a driving force, a very hands-on, inter interested, and involved president from the beginning, making sure that a, a combined vision was executed. And I'll tell you, this man knows no barriers. If something gets in his way, he finds a way around it. And uh, there's a lot to learn from me about that kind of behavior. But he does it in a way that's the kindest, most productive, effective way. And I appreciate that tremendously. Thank you, Raj. I didn't pay him to say that. Uh, <laughs> we, can, we can talk about that afterwards. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, I, you know, it, it, I think it all comes up from the background where you start. Um, and, you know, the foundations that have been laid on. And I, and I always bring that I had a motto for ASRA is that we're doing great, but we can always do better. And I think if everybody has that vision that you can always do better, you can drive the force next to the next person to say, how can we do better, even though we're doing great. And I think I, I, I always call Raj up at the, as the meeting got closed and I said, Raj, what are we doing? How can we do better, even though we're doing fantastic? The numbers are fantastic. We're the largest meeting attendance, but Again, how can we do better for the future? So Kumar's being very modest. Most past presidents of major medical societies kind of fade off in the sunset. They become the immediate past president. They fade away. Tell us about the initiative that you started this meeting for. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. For practitioners from low-income countries, your new grant that you have. If you could just speak to our audience about that, because it's a wonderful. So I mean, I've been involved with the journal, and I think our journal is fantastic. So I, I really want the low-income countries. I learned a lot from the World Congress of the people, and I realized that. The journal is fantastic. We need people involved with the, reading the regional anesthesia. So it was my vision that we start establishing the fund and we give up the 100, 100 uh, initial participants. Uh, and this fund will be established for life. Um, so I've guaranteed a 10-year uh, endowment and I will continue to do this as long as there's an interest in the journal. So as long as people want the journal, 
I'll pay for it. So 100 people, 10 years, they're getting the Rapham Journal, which after this meeting we learned is number five in the anesthesia pain world from Impact Factor, to 100 practitioners from low-income country out of the goodness of his heart so they can continue learning for the society. It's a wonderful initiative, and we should all follow in his footsteps. Yeah, and, I, and I'll tell you, the um, regional anesthesia is probably even more important in low-income countries absolutely. as an important right. way, not only for better right. pain control, absolutely. but for survival. There are patients that would not get surgery or would die because of inadequate anesthesia safety uh, monitoring equipment if they were to receive general anesthesia. That This is literally a life-saving opportunity for these people. And that's my intention. Even if I can save one life in a low-income country because of what we have done, that's a huge satisfaction on the impact that we can make to the other people in the world. Okay, so, so I just want to say thank you to Raj yes. for a fantastic meeting. Yeah. Uh, for those of you who didn't uh, listen to me, I actually picked up Raj as a chair at the 2015 when we met here. Right. And that was four years ago. Four years. And uh, I asked Raj, I said, can you chair? And actually I said, Raj, I want to talk to you. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and uh, that was ominous. You know? <laughs> And uh, I, I took him out and, and onto the pool side and I said, Raj, I need you to do this for me. Yeah. And he agreed. And uh, well, I told you, no barriers. He just, <laughs> he just goes right through them. One of the best decisions he's made, though, with 1,800 people coming to the meetings. Yes. So thank you very much, Raj. You're doing a fantastic job. Uh, I always think, I think your family sacrificed more than you sacrificed uh, for this meeting. So I want to say thank you to your wife and your kids, especially the time that you have spent on time establishing ASRA because in this meeting, because they sacrifice and they sacrifice your time. You know, the so. only thing they're really upset about is that they couldn't be here also because they still have school. And so my kids really wanted to come and they wanted to go to the Gordon Ramsay's Hell's yeah. Kitchen with us. And so they were really upset about that. <laughs> they don't care about the other stuff. That's that's the thing no, they miss. Just... <laughs> so thank, thank you. you so much. Thank you so much, everyone, and uh, hopefully we'll see you along. Okay, great. So we got two other guests with us. Hi there. So Jenny and Shelly. So Jenny's from San Diego, yeah. Shelly's from uh, Kentucky, Kentucky yeah. and uh, soon to be Germany. Yeah, yeah he's there. He's headed over to Germany to do some work. And why don't you guys give us a couple of, you know, just a few pointers of things that you saw at the meeting so far. We've been one day through the sessions. Um, we've had a lot of great stuff. There's too many things to be at at the same time. And I tried, but I can't be everywhere. What, what, tell me some things that stuck out uh, for you. Oh gosh, stuff that stuck out for me. Um, I was part of the practice management portfolio uh, today quite a bit um, for whatever reason. Oh, there we go. Okay. Me being shorter is a problem. Um, <laughs> it's all right. We'll figure it out. Um, and so, they can see us. One of the really interesting things that, that we saw from today was um, really understanding your stakeholders, understanding engagement, um, not just being the anesthesiologist behind the blue drape. So um, trying to reignite the passion um, as being a perioperative physician, um, being visible in a way such that um, you can partner with other um, providers, not just surgeons, other anesthesiologists, nurses, physical therapists, and understand where your role is and where their role is and to be, be a successful uh, patient care provider as a whole as opposed to just being the anesthesiologist and also spending that time listening. Um, that was really important and a repeated theme today. I really enjoyed, uh, even more was kind of like just the brute force, the things I come from the conference, I, I want to learn something. Yeah. I really want to kind of, you know, be around people that are 
a heck of a lot smarter than I am, and you know, just kind of have my brain pumped up and think about all these things. You know, I love the anatomy uh, lecture that kind of kicked off the day. Um, you know, kind of discussing some of the the popular sites that people like to make the uh, injectates and hydrodissection patterns for the brachial plexus segments. Um, that wonderful segment and kind of in between C5 and C6, and that being kind of a sweet spot, uh-huh. uh, and identifying some of the other those plane segments, and then you know, same for the for the sciatic nerve, uh, some of the other like tissue plans that are kind of identified. Um, I really enjoyed the uh, adjuncts uh, speaker that talked about the dexamethasone because those are things that, that we did and kind of played around with when, when I was a resident. And uh, one of the papers that he, uh, he discussed was, was one of my teachers, was Randy Malco. So that was kind of neat. But uh, yeah, so I just really enjoy the, the high quality of uh, education and speakers and uh, just being able to really to, to think about regional anesthesia at a, at a, a higher level that, you know, makes me better as a clinician. And that's wonderful. The benefit of the meeting, too, is that we get a lot of different guests stopping by. So we, from a little-known institution in Boston, Massachusetts, some of you may have heard of it, Massachusetts General Hospital, or Harvard, I guess they say. We have Catherine and Brenda over here, two wonderful regional anesthesiologists. I know you guys participated in the Women in Regional Anesthesia and Pain Management part of the meeting today. If you guys can give us a little update about that and some other the lectures that you guys attended or that you guys taught, we'd love to hear it. And so would our audience. Go for it, Brenda. We're both active participants at this meeting and delighted to be here. There's a great group of people here, both as teachers and students. I'm super excited to be here, especially as a female regional anesthesiologist. So the sessions I attended today, I ended up going to an abdominal block workshop, which was amazing. And I'm here teaching as well and super excited to encourage... I've attended, I always <laughs> learn, I always learn something small or big from every workshop I go to. You know, a different technique as far as how to teach or a block that I don't do very much or just some variation on a block. So I actually try to go to as many workshops as I can. So fascial plane blocks up and down the trunk are the hot topic in the last couple of years. Trunk, I mean. So my take on yeah, that there you go. is that. Yeah. I think they have a lot of potential. Dr. Barrington and I have spent a lot of time talking about them. There's not a lot of science. So we as regional anesthesiologists need to pursue the studies that prove their work. What's going on? Right. (laughs) Right. What we're doing and how we're doing. Absolutely. All right, and I'm going to sign off at this moment. <laughs> okay. Thank you. I think it's also important that ASRA, I think, is one of the most inclusive societies, I think, out there. Like in sort of leadership, I know they're very big. The Women in Regional Anesthesia and Pain meeting today was not just all females. I know there was a lot of members of the board, male and female, both that attended. I think the society makes a good effort to be all-inclusive of everyone, whether years in practice, sex, religion, I think... Everyone is, tries to be very inclusive in the society. I don't know if you saw that in the Women in Regional Anesthesia and Pain meeting today. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I definitely feel like it's an inclusive group. And, you know, I I feel like I've been very supportive uh, supportive, and just sort of tried to get into this group and uh, really welcomed. And I, I've been very grateful in, in any of the contributions I've been able to make. Absolutely. Thanks for being here. We hope you enjoy the rest of the meeting. We have another guest now. We have a couple of guests. Come on. Two guests from New York. Come on. We have two guests from New York. We have Michelle. our regional POCUS expert, Stephen Haskins. And we have How Michelle Cars from uh, Napa LIJ and Hofstra Medical School. 
our pediatric regional regional anesthesia experts coming to join us. Any uh, tips, things you enjoyed in the meeting so far, what you're looking forward to? Can we start? I'm looking forward to seeing and um, talking with all of our uh, regional experts here and integrating pediatrics more into the meeting. So we have lots of pediatric sessions this year. Um, We have our our panel, our SIG meeting, and um, it's really nice to see how there is greater pediatric presence within ASRA, um, POCUS as well as uh, our regional blocks. So so let me explain something to people if they don't get this, okay? I've been saying this for years now. We have this thing called special interest groups, okay? And they're special, there's like 15 now or something like that, right? And what they are is a channel. They're a channel to get your ideas into the mainstream of the organization. And so when we were putting this program together, I said, what are the special interest groups that are important to the acute pain regional meeting? And then we went and reached out to all of them and said, okay, let's talk topics, let's talk faculty, Let's talk where we can put this in the program and what's the needs of these special interest groups. And so what did we do? We made point-of-care ultrasound a major part of the meeting. And we didn't just do it in a small fashion. We did a lecture. We did a mini workshop. We did a bigger workshop. So everybody has a little piece. Pediatrics. You know, one of the main things that I heard from you guys is um, we don't want pediatrics to only be a separate thing. We want to integrate it into the meeting. So we have pediatric regional anesthesiologists talking in our main sessions, even if the topic is not specifically pediatric. But you also have a pediatric lecture series on one of the parallel sessions. And we have pediatric workshops with real pediatric models. Right, exactly. We're not in silos. As we talk, we're, we're busting through the silos. We're really, pediatric is integrated into everything. So we're working together. We're learning from you. You guys learn from us. We're one big, you know, regional group. I, I think it speaks to the fact that this meeting is the largest, right, in, in, in Azure history. And, yeah. and it's because you've been listening to the members and you've been engaging with what, what people in, in the Azure community actually are interested in learning and what, what type of, uh, you know, workshops and lectures and sessions uh, matter to them, matter to their practice, and, and will help them get better and bring that value back to their to their practice and their, their community and their hospital. So I think it's incredible. And that's just one way that you've been, you know, doing that, engaging with, with the ASRA uh, community and membership. But it's but I think it's been a very, uh, you know, helpful one because you now have a handful of people that can say, all right, well, it either be pediatrics or women in medicine or, you know, the green, you know, one of the newer yeah. special interest groups, green anesthesia, green which anesthesia. Is, you know, speaks a lot to us as regional anesthesiologists because what we do is... Is, is very uh, you know sort of a green type of anesthetic avoiding inhalational anesthetics. Yeah. Um, so so I, I think you you have been doing a phenomenal job of, of growing interest that. in this meeting Agreed. and and, uh, and membership. Uh, oh, you're not done yet. I got a question for you. <laughs> I got a, I got a quick story with Stephen. Then we'll go back to Michelle yeah. just because yeah. everyone thinks people go to these lectures just they blow off the lectures they go home and do nothing. Stephen and I were chatting before and I'll let him tell the story. Some random guy just comes up to him. <laughs> To say he went to his last POCUS lecture and how he helped the patient from the teaching. So I'll let Stephen tell the patient. That the was me. Of the I was the random guy. <laughs> I went to his POCUS course. This guy was and like, went home the next day. Yeah. This guy had a full head. Of, this, guy, this guy had a full head of white hair and was like four inches taller. I shaved mine off. So. <laughs>
Um, no, it was, it was it was great. It was, it was one of the uh, one of the participants from our uh, point of care intro to perioperative point of care course, and I recognized him immediately because he was one of the people that was very engaged. And I think he may have actually uh, come twice. I, I, I think sometimes people um, find that you know just taking it once it, it kind of it lays a foundation, but you don't get enough opportunity to practice and so on. But anyway, he said he he his story was like I, I have to tell you. Um, you know, I had this patient. I was, I was uh, coming in for a, a was it a, a graft? Yeah, yeah. AV shunt AV, repair. AV shunt repair. And say so I did an infraclavicular on him. Everything went great. About to send him home from the pack. He was satting 82%, and they don't really know what's going on. So he was like, so I went to the bedside with the ultrasound. I ruled out a pneumothorax. I saw his diaphragm was moving. I saw a bunch of beelines, and I said, you know, this guy's having it's a fluid overload situation. Wow. They put him on BiPAP and you know, diuresed him and admitted him, and they knew he knew exactly what was going. on. He said it took three minutes. That's great. Three minutes. Fantastic. Three minutes. Wow. Thousands of dollars. Chest X-ray. Fantastic. Look at it. Squint a little bit. What's going on? Wait for the radiologist to give. You know, he knew exactly within three minutes what to do with that patient. And, and uh, those are the stories that inspire us to keep you know going out and. Talking, talking about point of care on, on the road and you know, to, to lead these workshops to teach people these skills. So, Michelle, we got pediatric stuff coming still in the meeting, right? We didn't do too much of it today. Yeah. It's coming for the next couple of days. Um, one of the reasons pediatrics stays siloed is people think, I don't do pediatrics, right? So I don't need to learn that stuff. What is it about pediatric regional anesthesia that adult anesthesiologists, adult regionalists need to know? Where do we learn from you guys? Well, I could tell you um, a few things. Pediat regional anesthesia has changed our pediatric practice completely. Um, where we come from, um, in my organization at least, our regional has really changed how patients do intraoperatively, postoperatively, how they go home. We have many patients now, um, especially in pediatrics, who are no longer needing opioids postoperatively that work that we're no longer needing it intraoperatively that work. And, you know, we have many in, in adult general surgery that are saying, well, it's just laparoscopic, you don't need regional anesthesia. But what we're seeing in the kids is that when we're doing blocks for laparoscopic surgeries, they're getting opioid-free anesthetics going home with significantly improved pain control. So it has changed management significantly in the pediatric. We do blocks while they're asleep. That's a big question here. Yeah. People wonder, you know, we is had our, that discussion this morning. Correct, yeah. and we have the Pran database that show, pediatric regional anesthesia network that has been showing and demonstrating um, tens of thousands of blocks done under general anesthesia that are safe. Um, so it is um, regular practice in pediatrics to do it under general anesthesia. Um, and when we hear this conversation in adults, you know, we're we kind of say, hey, come look at us, come right. learn from us, because right. this is what we do every day. And um, it really, it's changed practice, 100%. Yeah, I think they're presenting some of that data on Saturday. So if you guys yes. are following on social media, you may see some of slides and stuff like that. From, I think on Saturday is the session that they're discussing some of the yeah, data. Yeah, Saturday morning. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And, um, uh, but I, I think this debate still goes on because are kids and adults the same, right? And the reason we don't do it in kids awake is because they can't tolerate they it. They can't. Right? Right. I would argue that there's a lot of adults that don't tolerate it very well. Agree. And that I wonder if we harm them more by forcing them to be even lightly sedated and potentially risk more damage because we're not willing to go that far. Well, I think, I, and I think sometimes when we're sedating more and more, and you know, someone mentioned using ketamine and things like that, you're kind of going into general anesthesia anyway yeah, at that close. point. Yeah. Um, so. 
you know, um, we and we by doing that, we actually see our blocks are really working. The patients are still, um, and it's, you know, it's it's accepted and standard of care in pediatrics. So it's something kind of to learn from. We learn a lot from the adult side. Um, a lot of studies are done in adults that we cannot right. do in kids. Right. Um, but I think there is definitely room to learn from the pediatric side as well. I always feel like a wiggling, moving, you know, patient who's helping you with the block is is, is a, a riskier block than... I have to show off Jan's... Uh, <laughs> there you go, Jan. Yes, he you. got, I think, every sticker... Wow, Jan, that is very impressive. I think he's pretty close to having a tail here, so... Uh, I, you, over here. you may have won an I award for that. I don't think all that. of these apply to you. <laughs> no, I think they might. Do they all apply to you? They do. <laughs> I, I have to... I have to claim ignorance on that. Yeah. Um, I, uh, excuse me, um, Raj, I see something missing here. What's that? Uh, I see something significant missing. Pediatrics. Pediatrics is missing. Yeah, see? Uh, I'm, I'm a little Your disappointed. Pediatrics. Absolutely, I'm, I'm committed to the well-being of the children. <laughs> <laughs> the children are the future, right? Yes. Yes, the children are the future. <laughs> and mine are going to Hawaii tomorrow. As we will discuss <laughs> tomorrow in the post. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> we'll discuss that tomorrow in the Pocus Sig meeting. Right. Yeah. That's right. That's right. We're ready. We're ready. They'll be right at eight o'clock, right after the green anesthesia meeting. And conflicting with the racist anesthesia <laughs> meeting. But. Too many good places to be at the same time. That's, yeah. that's a problem. So It's a good problem to have. Clone yeah. yourself for a meeting like this. Because social media helps. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's a way of keeping track of multiple tracks. things at the same time. So it's, yeah. it's really powerful. And I appreciate everybody participating and kind of uh, being sure good tweeters. Make sure you tweet. Yeah. Definitely tweet. Well, we're going to wind it down for today. Thank you guys for joining us. Um, we are going to be live on Facebook again tomorrow. Uh, hopefully the Instagram audio came out okay. Uh, we'll be live on Instagram too. Knoops is here. Say hi. Yeah. So um, hi. wish you guys were here if you weren't here. Uh, hope you can come next year. But follow us on social media and uh, we'll see you again tomorrow. Bye.